From the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey and Connecticut, this is Teeing It Up presents the Sunday Sprint for Sunday, December 26th, 2021. We got Luke Morrow with us. Good morning, Luke. Good morning. Uh, the way the Jets are right now, you can wake up, decide you want to fall back asleep, and then you need to be woken up by somebody else uh, to make sure that you realize that you got a game. Um, the Jets, like many teams, have problems. They're going to have their tight ends coach as the head coach today. Um, this is not unusual. <laughs> We've had everybody and their brother, basically, in the COVID-19 health and safety protocols. Um, and I feel like, Luke, this is very much the same intro as we did last week, where it's like, all right, uh, I don't quite know who's playing, but we'll just name team and... And, you know, tried and true teams versus teams that have problems, and we'll go from there. Certainly. Um, we have every week on uh, my radio show, Paul Charchian comes on. He's, you know, one of the godfathers of fantasy football. He's been doing it for 30 years. And he said, and I'm surprised by this, but he said this current weekend is the most chaotic weekend he's ever had in preparing for a football weekend, you know, for his job and profession from a fantasy football perspective, which, as you just alluded to, is because of all these COVID issues and, you don't know, who's in and out. So uh, I thought the last couple of weeks were pretty chaotic, so too seems to be this one. Uh, we'll see who's actually out there ready to play today. But in regards to the Jets-Jaguars, the fourth ever matchup between the top two quarterbacks taking a draft one and two and the first time in six years. And so I will say, I don't care to watch much Jets football or the Jaguars. They're very boring. But I am intrigued today just because you have Trevor Lawrence against Zach Wilson. Early competition between these two. Let's see which one looks a little more impressive this afternoon. Have I ever told you my pet peeve about matchups, and in this case, quarterback matchups in baseball, um, and then when it comes to baseball, pitching matchups? No, I, I don't think so. Okay. Basically, my rule is is that I don't understand why people call it matchups when you're not facing each other. So if you're in the National League, I understand it because at one point the pitcher does face the other pitcher. But there's no way that Trevor Lawrence is going to face Zach Wilson today. So I don't like the usage. It's a pet peeve of mine. Oh, okay. It's an airing of, uh, of a grievance. It's, um, it's just the idea, though, right, that they're both in the same game, on the same field, so you get to see one uh, right up against the other compared to, to one another in the same game to see who looks more impressive, even if they aren't directly competing against one another at the same time. <clears throat> I guess. I don't know. It's never made sense to me. That's just my two cents. Um, I'm looking forward to it regardless. <laughs> Here's where I want to start, which is quarterback scripting. The Jets have been really good this year on the first possession of games lately with Zach Wilson. He's really good when you have scripted the plays. When you unscript the plays, he is brutal. And his ability to do do the simple things, to execute the way that that offense needs to, after the first 10 or 15 plays, whatever it is, is mind-blowing. It makes no sense to me whatsoever. And um, I, I'm frustrated by it. And this is a continuing history of Jets quarterbacks uh, 
and being um, mystified by what happens post-scripting. And I feel like we see this sometimes with young quarterbacks in the NFL where the scripting's great, and then after that you don't get anything. And that's kind of where my head's at when it comes to Zach Wilson. Yeah, um, that's the case with a lot of young quarterbacks uh, or even young coaches, uh, your, your ability or inability to adapt or adjust mid-game. And it's part of you know learning defenses or just being more familiar with the NFL game or more familiar with your playbook. So that's why this matchup is intriguing to me. This game is intriguing because you have two quarterbacks here on the level playing field, and it's kind of a test to see who has progressed the further so far. Neither one has looked good to this point. Um, so it's an opportunity to see, like, okay, which one looks more comfortable, looks better, or has a better grasp of the offense. And you get to see them on the same field at the same time with Wilson and Trevor Lawrence. And with both these teams obviously not going anywhere this year, so uh, that's the hope. The Jaguars, I guess you hope that, I mean, right now they have the number one pick in the draft, so I, I guess you'd want to lose today. Uh, but uh, the, the only thing you can get out of this season is some signs that you have the right guy at quarterback. Um, do you mind if we go backwards before we go forwards? Sure. Okay. I want to talk about what, what happened yesterday um, because it impacts today in a couple ways. Um, and we're going to start this by talking about um, what the Packers did. The Packers seem like they wanted to say formally, guess, guess who's the king of the a- in the NFC? You've still got to come through Green Bay. And I think you and I both, both thought that in the end, Green Bay and Tampa is kind of, kind of be where this runs through and where this, and, and where this NFC West runs through. So let's start right here. A, was that the defining Packer performance against the wannabe playoff team in Cleveland? Or are you still worried about the run defense if you're a Packer fan? And then B, the impact on Rams-Vikings for today. Yeah, with A, uh, still certainly worried with the Packers. You know, they haven't put teams away. It it almost cost them against the Ravens last week if they had converted that two-point conversion. Uh, The Packers... Same idea in the last two weeks. They had a, a you know two-score lead in the second half. You're feeling comfortable. And then they almost go into like this coast mode. More so yesterday. I mean, they went three and out back-to-back possessions. In fact, I think it was three straight possessions in that second half when they had a chance to put the game away. And the Browns came back. And if Baker Mayfield wasn't so bad, the Browns could have actually won that game on the road. So there's some concerns there for Green Bay that uh, they haven't kept their foot on the gas in the second half in these last couple of games. Uh, they've had a bunch of close wins, which you know some will say is a sign of a good team, but others would also say that if you win a lot of close games, that's a little bit of a, a flukish stat that you know you have some luck on your side, and eventually you're going to regress. And in regards to what you said about stopping the run, as offensive as the league has become, or as happy as the league becomes, I still think it's very important this time of year into the playoffs that you have to be able to run the football and stop the run, especially when you have Aaron Rodgers. And when you can't stop the run, it keeps him on the sideline. And especially when you're the Green Bay Packers and you play outdoors in those elements where it's easier or maybe better to run the football as opposed to trying to throw it all the time. So certainly those are concerns. Green Bay has struggled with mobile quarterbacks. They have struggled with the ground game in general. It's not a very physical defense. Uh, but props to them for holding on, getting the win, and keeping that one seed at 12-3. and three. Meanwhile, while they got the job done, the Cardinals didn't. And I thought the Cardinals, that was a bounce-back spot for them. I'm now officially done with Arizona. I can't trust them. I think they're fraudulent. 
Uh, Cliff Kingsbury does this every year where they start off really well and then fade in the second half of the season. They are 5-9 and nine in December. Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray combined. They choked last year and missed the playoffs. They're going to choke this year and not win the division. Uh, they're like the Steelers of last year. The last undefeated team we had, the Steelers then fell apart, lost in the first round. I think the Cardinals will lose in the first round. But what that loss did was open the door for the Rams now to overtake that division if they win today. They are favored in Minnesota. On paper, they should win today. Uh, but for some reason, and I'm, very, I'm not a biased Vikings fan, I did not feel good about their game Monday against the Bears, even though they ended up winning. But I thought they would probably lose that game. I thought they would lose against the Lions. For some reason, I have a good sense about this game at home. Maybe they will really let me down. But it's Matt Stafford back in Minnesota. Zimmer has done a good job. Granted, this is a different team and a more talented team. But he's always done a good job against Matt Stafford. The Vikings are at home. Their season also on the line today. Uh, I just think they put Adam Thielen's coming back. I think the Vikings, I have, for whatever reason, a good feeling today. But for the Rams, you got a Christmas gift. The Cardinals have opened the door for you to win this division and get a home game in the playoffs. That is a great job tying everything together. Oh, thank you. That leaves us with the Indianapolis Colts. Um, what what they uh, what what Jonathan Taylor has done has been really really impressive, and they back on Thursday beat San Francisco. I just think that it's fascinating to see what's happening with this AFC South and what a Derrick Henry. Uh, less Titans team is doing here. Holding on, holding on, holding on. Sometimes they fall, but they've been way better than I think you and I both thought they would be. Yeah, that was a big-time win for them Thursday because, as you mentioned, you know, they lose that game, and then the Colts won yesterday. Uh, that division, even though the Titans have the tiebreaker, uh, it's very much up for grabs. So that was huge for them, and not only for the division's sake, but also, as you said, without Derrick Henry, just to have some sort of positive momentum, that's the best win. Really, the only good win. The other one was the Jaguars. That's the, the first good win they've had without Derrick Henry. And Tannehill did not play great. He was better in the second half, but for the Titans, you have to just tread water here until you get Henry back. And in the meantime, show that you're a little more than Derrick Henry, which they have not done. So that's a big win. But the Colts are one of those teams right now in the AFC. The AFC, uh, I think the Chiefs are probably the most dangerous team. I still wouldn't want to face Bill Belichick in a big game. And then the Colts are one of those teams that they're going to sneak in as a wild card. They're going to have to go on the road. They're going to be a six seed, something along those lines, maybe a five, whatever. But they're one of the teams that I would not want to face in the AFC. I think they're one of the more dangerous teams in that conference with the way they're playing as of now. And so uh, for the Titans, big to hold them off that win Thursday. But the Colts, a big win yesterday, and they continue to play well. And I think they're one of the best teams in the AFC by this point. Dad, come here for a second. Um, in Ravens Bengals today, you have Josh Johnson participating as the starting quarterback for the Ravens, fresh off their practice squad. Dad, what's, what do fans of the Ravens have to expect from Josh Johnson? Four string backup Jets quarterback abilities. <laughs> Thank you. So you see where my dad's head's at, Luke, when it comes to uh, the Ravens here. And, and, and these are really important games facing the Bengals. And then, and then you look at Pittsburgh, Kansas City at 425. There, there's a lot of, of stuff up for grabs here at the same time that you have Buffalo, New England 
uh, in a rematch of that game that was played in the heavy winds, there's a lot of not not just like insane games, but just little things that matter here and there, here and there, here and there, especially in the in 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 the American Football Conference. Yeah, this is huge. Uh, I mean, the Ravens, for one, the amount they've had to try to overcome this year, and now you're down to your third straight quarterback. Uh, who you already touched on, Josh Johnson, who couldn't even you know stay in the league the last couple of years. But this is uh, really like a division championship here for Cincinnati. You, you win this game and you hold on to first place with two games left. It kind of eliminates Baltimore, at least in that division. So uh, big spot for these two teams. There's one team every year, maybe not to this extent, but there's always that one team that is just so beat up. They have the injury bug, they're cursed. That's just been the Ravens. And Tyler Huntley was playing really well. Now you lose him and you move on to Josh Johnson. The one thing I'll say, uh, the saving grace, and I, I, I don't really you know, believe in this. I think the Bengals win today and take care of business. But I will say Greg Roman uh, has always done a good job with his quarterbacks, um, whether it's Colin Kaepernick, Terod Taylor, you throw in Tyler Huntley, replacing Lamar Jackson. Uh, he's played well. But this is a different situation where Josh Johnson is just joining the team. He's a third string. He hasn't started in years. I wouldn't expect much. But... If you're a Ravens fan, the one thing you're trying to cling to is that Greg Roman has always done a good job with any quarterback you've given him. Maybe he can cook something up today for the Ravens in a big game. We shall see how that turns out. Um, and we'll we'll see if Joe Burrow's right, that the fact that there's not much to do um, yeah. can ultimately pay off. Because uh, Cincinnati is at home, and if you, and, and if you believe that there's not a lot to do... Um, then this is right up your alley uh, in terms of staying healthy in Cincinnati. Look, we're getting the end of our radio program. Aww. I know. So if you look at all these games that we mentioned, um, and and we barely even touched on Buffalo-New England, um, which is a game that, that Buffalo desperately needs, um, what's your game of the weekend? Or has it already happened? I'm going to say that game you just mentioned because we didn't really dive into it. Bills Patriots, it's that's another one that's like a, a division a championship there. Um, at least to the Patriots win, and what really intrigues me is that everybody wrote off the Patriots win a couple of weeks ago against the Bills. Now I don't think Bill Belichick really cares, but this is an opportunity for New England to say like, okay, we'll show you. Right? You think that that was a fluke when we beat them in Buffalo? We'll show you today in slightly better weather. So I'm curious to see. Many believe. You know the Bills. Uh, that was a tough spot for them. I think they. I think the Bills lose today. But I'm curious to see if we get a better performance from Buffalo against New England this time around. Washington, Dallas. Um, Dallas, I think, is yet to put it together really in all three facets. Have 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 everybody healthy and have everybody perform at their peak. And Washington keeps hanging around. I don't think we've seen the ultimate best outcome for either of these two teams yet. I'm, I'm yeah, just Dallas saying. Definitely needs to play better. Yes, and you'll see that game tonight on Sunday Night Football. Um, your sleeper game, Luke. Ooh, good question. Um, <laughs> Folks, he clearly did not uh, prep for this uh, well, segment today. Well, you know, we, we talked about it, but I don't know if there's a sleeper game left. I'm just going to say Steelers-Chiefs because I think the Steelers, I mean, they're a 10.5-point underdog. I think they'll keep it closer. I think it'll be a little lower scoring than expected. I think it'll be a one-possession game. So I'll say Steelers-Chiefs just because I, I think it'll be a better game than at least Vegas expects. So I'll say that. Um, I'll say your 
Vikings and the Rams. Oh, all right. Because I think this is a gut check game for Matt uh, Stafford and and for uh, Sean McVay and company. They've stumbled recently. Show me something. Show me something. Show me something. Show me something. There usually is golf to watch. Luke, there is no golf this week uh-huh. and next week. I know. I know. But in case you want to watch highlights of something or other, what's your game to watch golf during? I mean, really, it probably should be Monday Night Football, but I'm going to say Lions-Falcons. Two bad teams and two bad quarterbacks. Jared Goff's out today, so I don't even know who the Lions' backup is. David Blau, maybe, and he's going up against Matt Ryan, who's been lousy. Uh, that's just a terrible game. Giants, Eagles, and they're bringing back Daniel Jones for next season, apparently, according to Adam Schefter. Uh, that's going to perplex Giant fans. Um, sorry, the Eagles are just way, way better. And finally, folks, the segment Luke never preps for, your person or player to watch today. I'm going to say coaches on the hot seat because the NFL has instituted this new rule where you can start to interview coaching candidates with two weeks left in the season, and that will begin tomorrow, or I guess technically Tuesday. They probably include Monday Night Football. But this week, you can start to interview coaches. So like the Bears, you could get a jump start. So this could be Matt Nagy's final game as head coach of the Bears. Maybe the Vikings, if they lose today. Maybe you move on from Mike Zimmer and you start interviewing new candidates this week to get a head start on other teams. So coaches on the hot seat. Are we going to see any movement in the next 48 hours so teams could take advantage of this new rule. When did this new rule go into effect? I'm not familiar. This year. And I don't know if it's permanent or if they're just doing it this year. I really don't know the reason to it. Maybe because to get these interviews out of the way before the playoffs, I don't really understand. Uh, but, yes, it's a new rule this year, and we'll see if anyone takes advantage of it this week. Um, that's interesting. I was not aware of this. And by the way, I failed to mention maybe the most interesting part, but they don't even technically need to be fired. They just have to receive notice that they will not be the head coach next year. So Matt Nagy can still be the coach of the Bears, and they can conduct interviews for the next head coach if they tell him or, I guess, announce that Nagy won't be back next year, which would be really awkward. So coaches don't even have to get fired over the next 48 hours, but just be told, hey, you're not coming back next year, and teams can conduct interviews. So maybe even easier to take advantage of this rule. I'm curious to see if it comes into play at all this week for teams that haven't already fired their coaches. Well, that would make sense then as to why the Joe Judge headlines happening. Yes, good point. All right, this is like the, that deadline here. You have to make a decision. You're keeping your coach or not. Uh, and it looks like the Giants, they're pleased with theirs for now. Um, uh, okay, this only came into effect two weeks ago. So this is a good <laughs> spot by you. Um, because this, this only became in effect a, a couple weeks ago. Can you do me a favor? Because I'm having technical issues. Can you read me? Are you in front of a computer or something? On my phone. Okay, yeah. Just Google NFL owners approve HC interviews during last two weeks of season. Live radio. Let's see. It says... uh... From NFL.com. This is... Yeah. Can you read this to me? Because I was not familiar with this. Go ahead. Yes, NFL owners passed a resolution Wednesday. Let's see, this article is from December 15th, so that's uh, a week and a half ago. 
approved uh, the past resolution Wednesday that interviews for vacant head coach positions in the NFL can commence over the final two weeks of the regular season. Requests for interviews can be sent beginning Tuesday, December 28th. That's this Tuesday. The resolution also is only in effect for this season as a one-year trial. Only teams whose head coach at the beginning of the season is no longer in that position or has been given notice that he will not return are eligible to request these early virtual interviews. As of now, the only teams that qualify are the Las Vegas Raiders and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, this could incentivize clubs who've decided to part ways with the coach to do so at least two weeks before the end of the season in order to take advantage of the opportunity. And the NFL's fall league meeting in October, they sent out a memo alerting teams to adjustments to the Rooney Rule, uh, as well as this new rule, and an increase in the number of external minority candidates required to be interviewed for hiring at the executive level and coordinator positions. And that's courtesy of, let's give the person credit here, Chase Goodbreed for NFL.com. Okay, there you go. Wow, that is a game changer for teams like the Giants, for teams like the Bears, exactly. Wow, yeah, okay. I'm curious to see if it'll be used at all, if it comes into play. Yes, um, I am with you there. Any 1 o'clock game is what I'm watching for today. Uh, sorry, 1 o'clock home teams. Is there any uh, Christmas hangover? No, not a literal hangover. Just is there that metaphorical head in some other spot um, there. So that's what I'm watching. I like it. Um, Luke Morrow, as always, thank you for being on the Sunday Sprint. My pleasure, as always. Thank you, folks, for listening to the Sunday Sprint. We will see you next time.